Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Close to the Bone. I'm Carl Vreeland, your host. This is my first episode in 2021. It's episode number 19, entitled, Us and Them. The us and them mentality is most witnessed in religion and politics. In religion, it was the Western religions and Islam who created the isms. For example, Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism, etc. According to author William Cantwell Smith in his book, The Meaning and End of Religion, whether intentional or not, the isms help to establish and one day exploit the other. As of late, and more than ever, we witness this attitude in American politics with the two major parties and in nationalism and patriotism. Indeed, we humans seek solidarity. And this is largely because we feel stronger and safer as a group. The many outweigh the one. The perceived threat or danger of the other drives us to seek protection and also shield our group. It is our tribal instinct. Our species has survived by forming tribes, clans, and families, and we still rely on them for security and safety. We bond with familiar like-minded groups who hold similar beliefs and ethics. We carry with us a yearning for comfort, validity, connection, brotherhood, and sisterhood. We strongly identify with our neighborhoods and cities. I am a Bostonian right down to my core. I'm from the South Bronx and I don't take shit from anyone. We wear our lineage like a badge of honor. That said, there is much less need for our tribal instinct in today's world. Essentially, it is viewed as the excess baggage of our evolution. Our impulses worked well back when different tribes rarely crossed paths, but in the contemporary civilized world, this primal proclivity causes more conflict than calm. We see this in the fervor surrounding national pride, political causes, and religious uprisings. It is this zeal and piety, which often reaches a fever pitch leading to strife and violence, that propels racism, wars, and genocides. A concern of the us and them tribal impulse and its dangers date back as far as the 8th century. A commentary by Buddhist nun Pema Chodron on Indian Buddhist monk Shantideva's first 51 verses of The Way of the Bodhisattva makes this claim apparent. Quote, so, Shanti Deva says a lot about our mindset, the mindset of friend and foe, like and dislike, for me and against me, and how that very mechanism of buying so tightly into this notion of the good people and the bad people, the ones that I like and the ones that I don't like, is the kindling or the fuel for anger and aggression to escalate. Unquote. This mindset is fear based. And the anger and aggression our fear gives rise to overrides reason and rationale to the point of demonizing the other in order to justify our beliefs and behaviors, which extend far beyond our code of ethics. We stereotype and discriminate. I don't want you to date him. He prays to a different God. He's not our kind. You stay away from him. Families disown their children for going outside tradition. Communities ostracize free thinkers for not abiding to the principles and beliefs of the group. 
Some reject and refuse to even listen to any idea outside their belief system. I remember striking up a conversation with someone, only to have them abruptly end it when I brought up a Buddhist idea. They firmly expressed they were Christian and did not believe nor want to discuss any other religious ideas. They walked away quite perturbed. When we identify too strongly with our religion, race, or ancestry, we turn unwilling and unable to listen to other points of view. This closed-mindedness is a byproduct of tribalism. Out of fear, we hold on to our beliefs for dear life. We root ourselves so deeply into our opinions that any thought outside of them becomes a threat. Pema Chodron speaks about this quite a bit. In her book, Living Beautifully with Uncertainty and Change, she explains this propensity we seem to inhabit. Quote, As individuals, we, too, have plenty of fundamentalist tendencies. We use them to comfort ourselves. We grab onto a position or belief as a way of neatly explaining reality, unwilling to tolerate the uncertainty and discomfort of staying open to other possibilities. We cling to that position as our personal platform and become very dogmatic about it, unquote. This stance can be seen among many hashtag movements, cancer survivors, war veterans, and survivors of genocide. You cannot possibly understand us. And although there is some truth to this proclamation, it is tribal, exclusionary, and alienating. Additionally, our tribal instinct can also localize itself into emotionally charged fanaticism. We only need to look at sports games where events turn into violent scenes. I remember a friend, for example, who typically possessed a mild demeanor, throwing a beer bottle through the wall of his home moments after his football team missed a game-changing goal. These lapses of rationale and restraint can take place anywhere at any time. People lose their wits due to fanaticism. I've seen grown men fall into despair over their baseball team losing a World Series. Conversely, a lack of appropriateness or propriety can also be seen on the other side of the spectrum, whereas joy and cockiness will ensue after a win. Whether win or lose, the intense highs or extreme lows that come forth are equally disorienting, and they inevitably end with remorseful hangovers. Left to our own devices, without a heightened awareness and mind skills, our primal instincts will take us for one hell of an emotional roller coaster ride. Over and above, the us and them reasoning is best found under the banner of religion. Joshua Green, Harvard professor, psychologist, neuroscientist, and author of the book Moral Tribes, Emotions, Reason, and the Gap Between Us and Them, writes, quote, Many Muslims believe that no one, Muslim or otherwise, should be allowed to produce visual images of the Prophet Muhammad. Some Jews believe that Jews are God's chosen people and that the Jews have a divine right to the land of Israel. Many American Christians believe that the Ten Commandments should be displayed in public buildings and that all Americans should pledge allegiance to one nation under God. Unquote. The fight over who is right the truth and how things should be will always cause acrimony and conflict. If we are to get along, we will have to find common ground. Green proposes 
quote, a common currency, a unified system for weighing values, a coherent global moral philosophy, one that can resolve disagreements among competing moral tribes, unquote. I agree with Green, however idealistic his suggestions may seem to be. If all the nation's leaders could gather to negotiate and agree on a universal moral philosophy, it would certainly bring us closer to world peace. But if there is any chance of this happening, we, as individuals, must first address the us-and-them frame of mind within ourselves and our communities. Assuming we aspire to create a better world, we must open up our minds enough to accept and respect one another's beliefs. Pema Chodron proposes we, quote, feel our kinship with each other rather than to buy into polarization, unquote. Indeed, we need to learn how to listen to other opinions outside our own. Developing this ability opens us up to feelings of compassion, whereas whether we disagree with someone's point of view or not, we can maintain our equanimity and friendliness towards them. Supposing we want peace and serenity, we will need to make sacrifices. This sometimes means sacrificing our desire to take sides. It can be difficult to be supportive of a family member or friend whom we firmly disagree with. But why argue with them? Why not let them have their opinions and beliefs? Why not remain friendly and loving toward a person we disagree with? We're not going to change their mind, so why try to? As things go, once we begin fighting, all bets are off. A situation will get heated and someone will likely get hurt and angry. More than that, once we adopt a self-righteous and uncompromising attitude, we will lose the ability to hear our opponent's argument, shutting the door to finding any common ground. The truth of this quote from an unknown author is apropos. Quote, there are two sides to every argument until you take one. Unquote. Listening to someone else's opinion without having to express our opposing two cents is the path to peace, but it takes practice and skill. Let's take a moment here, a moment to get honest with ourselves. Why must we express our opinions and beliefs? Why can't we resist in doing so, especially when we know it won't change anything? Why do we make the effort to try and change someone's mind? Is it because we want the world to be a better place? Is it because we want things as we believe they should be, according to our morality? Is it a desire to feel secure and in control of a chaotic environment? How earnest is our urge and need to change someone's viewpoint? Think about it. Are we really trying to enlighten someone? And if so, are we doing it out of love and compassion? What's our intention? Is it to wake up others? Is it to compassionately help our fellows? Or is it because we want to be right? Painfully, many close relationships have tragically ended over a difference of opinion. Without developing a skilled mind, we fall victim to our egoic drive. And we develop resentments and ill will toward others. Undoubtedly, an us-and-them frame of mind is not conducive to equanimity, inner peace, and having harmonious relationships. Moreover, it often leads to closed-mindedness. 
From her book, The Places That Scare You, A Guide to Fearlessness in Difficult Times, Pema Chodron writes, quote, In Buddha's opinion, to train in staying open and curious, to train in dissolving our assumptions and beliefs, is the best use of our human lives, unquote. For sure, when one reaches enlightenment, tribal instincts and social, cultural, and religious conditioning are annihilated. But for us, mere mortals, what can we do? Well, I believe we can still have our tribe, meaning compatible people we can count on and go to for support. Only we need to be watchful, vigilant, and awake. From the book Buddha's Brain, authors Rick Hansen and Richard Mendias write, quote, There's a Zen saying, nothing left out. Nothing left out of your awareness. Nothing left out of your practice. Nothing left out of your heart. Unquote. Just as in the Buddhist loving-kindness meditation practice, everyone is, quote, included in the circle of us, unquote. We omit no one, for when we do, we take them out of the circle and create the other. And then we begin to defend our dislike. And we should not make exceptions to this practice. If judgmental and intolerant thoughts and feelings toward others outside our tribe arise, we must not act on them, condone them, or feed them. They are just thoughts and feelings, and impure at that, so we must let them go. We can stand our ground if necessary, but we need to remain open-minded just the same. We need to listen to all sides and focus on what we have in common. Only then can we interact and relate to our fellows as part of a global tribe, the human race. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy this podcast, a great way to support it is to leave a review or rate it, subscribe to it, and share it with others. It really does help greatly.